At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men with power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane. Man is even capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? That's such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresy and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. It just is. Welcome to the audio version of Aeon Byte Live, episode 38. Raw and censored and unfiltered, just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. On this blasphemy, we hosted an incredible roundtable with a group of mystics, heretics, therapists, and oriental practitioners. We covered miles of esoteric ground, including alchemy, Kabbalah, Gnosticism, Jungian therapy, Taoism, ghost hauntings, and more. All to find mental and spiritual solutions to the dark psychic forces that have settled on Western culture. Much of our discussion was based on the book, Concerto of the Rising Sun. And for strange reasons, we talked about smoking and pooping right, as well as audiobook voiceovers. But you'll see why. Our astral guests included Ram Feck, Eric P. Anthony, Carl Joseph DeMarco, and Graham Dunlop and Darren Grimes from Grimerica. Akamoth blessings for those of you who continually support. I can't do it without you. Please continue to help me grow this Red Bill cafeteria. We need Moses more than ever, needless to say, and we've only just begun reaching those who need to wake up or simply cope in 2020. 
You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom or guess and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. And thank you so much for those of you who support. Enjoy the roundtable on spiritual alchemy and ancient mysteries, but don't get settled. In a couple of days, we'll deal with the lost art of resurrection with the amazing Freddie Silva. And expect more high-level, controversial guests and topics in September while you enjoy Earth, Wind, and Fire. Enough of my short drivel. Let us do our latest AB Live, complete for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon. The empire never ended, but where hope dies, imagination must live. You have the fastest internet in the history of fastest internet. Van says we are live and let there be light. Birdie num num. Dunder cheap. Swarm leatherettes. Awesome. We are live. I better get my own browser so I can check things out. And I just got hit by a commercial. Welcome, everybody. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. This is AB Live, episode 38, and we've got an awesome roundtable to discuss some amazing topics, including spiritual alchemy and ancient mysteries from a lot of very cool truth seekers. And we hope that some more join us as the boys from Grimerica were also invited. It's Friday night. They have nothing better to do. So hopefully they will show up to Aeon Byte Live. And yes, very glad to see everybody. People are starting to come into the chat room. And we never really get a full audience till about 10, 20 minutes because it's obviously live. People are going to their computers, figuring things out. So I will be repeating myself and uh, apologies for that just to keep everybody in the loop. As always, this is a YouTube. It will be on YouTube soon after for everybody. And in a few days, I will put it in all the podcast providers out there, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Podbeam, all these places. You will get the full audio version, at least, well, patrons and AB, my, AB Prime members will get the full show. Everybody else will get the partial one. And other than that, as you know the rules, uh, if you have any questions for our guests, please type them in all caps or put question marks. Since we have quite a big group of people, please uh, specify who you want that question for. Try to keep it on topic, but of course we always don't mind general questions on Gnosticism and Hermeticism or Jung, but our guests tonight certainly know all of these topics because I have read their book, or should I say I listened to their book, which I was a member of, or I did some of the voiceover. The book is uh, Concerto of the Rising Sun, I and it, I listened to the audiobook, I did some work from the audiobook, and so did our guests tonight other than that a little housekeeping for those of you out there the am bite merch store is out and uh, 
I am officially wearing a shirt. So check it out at the site, thegodabovegod.camp. I'll try to show off uh, the merch. And there's some very cool stuff that Valerie has worked for, worked on that she's doing, including some humorous uh, nipples for men and birdie num num and other kind of, and a lot of really cool psychedelic sort of uh, heavy metal, the moody movie images with Sophia and the dragon and all that good stuff. So cool merch store. So I think we should probably uh, introduce ourselves or have our guests introduce ourselves. First, I'd like to say, Vance, the Moondog, thanks for being here and being a shepherd of the show and the audience. Woof, woof. (laughs) We'll be watching the chat room tonight for all you wonderful guests and so forth and making odd comments and barking randomly. (laughs) Awesome. So I guess we should probably start with uh, those that were tardy. We got the Gramerica boys here. How are you guys doing? And hey, uh, good. what's going on? It's a great to have you finally at AM Byte. Yeah, good, good. Thanks uh, for inviting us. It's good to be here with uh, Carl and Ram Feck and Eric and, and you guys. And uh, yeah, there's, uh, it was great to be a part of this whole, this whole project. So thanks for inviting us. Oh, man. Uh, overdue to have you guys here. Vance and I enjoyed being on your show, and it was a, it was a lot of uh, high weirdness, and we hope you guys can return the favor by giving us a lot of high weirdness. Oh, yeah. All right, and then we will move on to Ram Feck, since uh, Ram mentioned you. Please introduce yourself and say hi to the audience. Hello to uh, the audience. Absolutely. Um, delighted to uh, be involved in this. Um, it's, it's wonderful to, this will actually be the first time that I've been able to interact uh, one-on-one with uh, any of the other participants in Concerto other than Eric. Um, so that should be uh, uh, quite stimulating for sure. Awesome. Yeah. If you guys want to go on a round table, if the Gramerica guys want to ask questions, uh, trust me, Vance and I could have uh, less stress than what we usually do with these AM Byte Live, especially when the audience gets out of control. So, uh, yeah. Well, Carl, please uh, introduce yourself. Please allow yourself to introduce yourself. Okay. I'm uh, Carl Joseph DeMarco. Uh, in the book, I think I appear as Thorny. Um, I know Eric has sent me a copy of that. I have not gotten to it yet, but I did uh, read it as we went along. Uh, let's see. I'm very happy to be talking to the America guys again. Um, they were a big help to me when I was starting out with this, and I uh, appreciate every uh, minute and morsel they gave to me. I think uh, Darren read me for the audio, so uh, I'm going to have to check that out. I guess... Uh, you do a good job on that, having talked to me a few times. Uh, I'd like to thank you and uh, Vance for putting this together. Uh, it's exciting to meet new people, friends to the Grime America show, and getting to talk to Ram face-to-face again. And unfortunately, I have to deal with my smelly cousin Eric again. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, family. you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. So there you go. <laughs> yes, and a lot of Italians tonight. I don't know what to say about that. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a scary picture. Aren't you guys just whites now? oh it depends yeah i don't know robert de niro might disagree when he needs some seven million dollars or something or whatever victim that he's playing so eric 
why don't you introduce yourself and please tell us about the process of how Concerto of the Rising Sun came about. Yes, uh, thank you for having me on, Miguel. And uh, well, welcome, everybody. Uh, I mean, this all kind of came together uh, randomly. Um, it wasn't uh, intentional. Um, uh, you know, I, I write under Eric P. Anthony, and um, it, it all started with Song of the Immortal Beloved. And, um, you know, Graham picked it up. Uh, I think my cousin gave him a copy of it. And that uh, spurred me going on the Grimerica show. And uh, at the same time that that was happening, um, I had entered into a lot of uh, dialogues with various people about Song of the Immortal Beloved. And those dialogues um, turned into Concerto of the Rising Sun. And, and then um, the Grammarica guys reached out to you, Miguel, and, and you did uh, one of the voiceovers. You did the voiceover for Ram Peck. Um, so that's kind of how it all came together. And um, um, uh, I've been studying spiritual alchemy for, um, for 30, probably 35 years. And um, it's something that it's, I've been very passionate about. It's been um, something that I've been devoted to my whole life. Um, you know, as I mentioned in Concerto of the Rising Sun, um, there's really two approaches to alchemy, and that's either you're more of a practitioner or you're more of a scholar. And I consider myself a practitioner of alchemy. Um, and in Kabbalah, the Kabbalah is the same way. Uh, you're either more of a practitioner of it or you're more of a scholar of it. And I, I believe you really need both to get a complete understanding of the subject. And I, I think it's fascinating that, Miguel, um, you're so into Gnosticism um, because, you know, I see a lot of parallels between Gnosticism, the Kabbalah, and, and uh, Western alchemy and also Eastern alchemy. My cousin Carl uh, is very deep into uh the Eastern alchemy and Taoism, and, you know, you can uh, share a little bit of that with us tonight as well. Awesome. Yes. I mean, Kabbalah, especially the more uh, dualistic Isaac Luria, even all Kabbalah, as uh, they say, is just Jewish Gnosticism. There's so many, and obviously alchemy comes from the tradition of Hermes and Hermeticism. So it's all tied in together. And uh, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed your work. And I'd like to briefly talk about the voiceover. Graham, you did a really good job with the narration. I was, because uh, I remember us talking about it. And uh, now when, when I did mine, I must say that mine was too rushed because at the time I was doing this voiceover class and I was at the radio stage where you've got to rush it. <laughs> and, I, and I felt I was rushed. But uh, then I did the sort of audiobook class and uh, everything you did was perfect. It's supposed to be slow, measured, kind of uh, poetic. So, man, you killed it. Uh, oh, I thanks, advise man. the audience to <laughs> get the book because Graham does a great job. Thanks, buddy. Well, I, actually, it helped on that one because I actually had to redo the whole thing. So the second time was way <laughs> wow. better than the first time. Oh, no. Why? Because yeah. well, audio books are brutal. Yeah, Darren rejected my, my audio. Uh, I, had a, I had a problem with my setup. So, um, But, you know, it, was, it actually did really help because I had already read the whole thing over. And, uh, you know, after, after going through the Song of the Immortal Beloved, which was somewhat like six, six, seven hundred pages, 
Uh, yeah, it was fun. And I, I listened to it uh, before this interview tonight, too. And I really enjoyed hearing you and, uh, and Russ, another guy, and, and uh, Darren on there. It was, it was great to hear you guys on there. Yeah, Darren, you were fine, too, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that now. I was I've been kind of nervous about hearing somebody else voice me, but uh, with these... I did a perfect. I did a perfect Carl. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I re- after I heard, after I listened to Song of the Immortal Beloved audiobook, I remember texting Graham and saying, saying, don't take this the wrong way, but you sound really sexy when you talk. <laughs> he was, he was. I was, <laughs> I was listening to that song WAP. You know, That's why I, I picked Graham. He makes me sound a lot better. <laughs> nice, nice. There you go. <laughs> Well, I know Miguel voiced me, so I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing it because you're sounding pretty great yourself. Like for the for the first time, I'm hearing you talk here, so yeah, I think no, uh, no, I, I think uh, it it'll represent great. Actually, I think I'd like to I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking Eric actually for taking a chance on us. I mean, at, when he asked about the song of the Immortal Beloved, I was uh, my initial reaction was no, there's no way I can do this. And uh, it took me a couple of days to actually come around to the possibility because I had thought about it before, but that was really the kicking off point that got, that got us into that. So I really appreciate Eric uh, oh, wow. trust, no, trusting no, us and, and letting us go for it. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a huge book to start with for your first time. Too. <laughs> totally. Graham, you did a great job with it. And Darren did a great job editing it. And uh, it, it was really great. What, what I like about your voiceover, Grant, is that you have a very authentic um, uh, tone about you, which goes well with the book. Yeah, yeah. And for the audience, somebody's already asking, what is the song of the immortal beloved? beloved? And that is a huge 800-page tome, a complete system of spirituality, meditation, and alchemy. And uh, Eric, so what happened? Basically, Concerto of the Rising Sun is sort of a way to get uh, yeah, yeah, so, the cliff notes, shrink it down, or how did yeah, it come so, about? So the Song of the Immortal Beloved really provides a roadmap of the uh, alchemical process um, uh, from, from my point of view. And I, I have a hermetic uh, background, um, so I was kind of viewing the whole alchemical process from that context, and I explained it within that context um and uh, and it's it's written from the first person and really gives my uh experience with it but you know, i'm trying to link it to uh universal truths and um the collective unconscious and so that if there's a commonality for all of us that uh you know we can share with it and i'm sharing what I call the the three factors, um, which kind of compel the alchemical process to really uh, arise within us at a more rapid level. Um, The whole premise is that um, uh, there's one universal alchemical process undergoing in the universe, which is really the the process of creation, and that it all emerged from a divine source. And, you know, I, I... I define divinity as that which was never created. Um, it always was and it always will be. And creation emerged from that source. And the moment that creation emerged, it emerged spontaneously. And that's uh, emerging spontaneously is what 
um, we would call darkness because it was unintentional. And, but then an intention emerged to reorganize it and bring it all back into unity. And that's the light. Um, and the alchemical process that's undergoing in the universe is really to reunify everything. And, um, the conscious mind has the ability to tune into that universal alchemical process and accelerate it by cooperating with it. And we cooperate with it by utilizing what I call the three factors. Um, so the, the book Song of the Immortal Beloved basically shares um, the process that I underwent by applying the three factors and, um, and how that all unfolded. And like I said, I, I tried to leave out what I feel was individual only to me and what I felt was universal. That way other people can maybe gain something from it. Um, and then, and, and because I was sharing so much, it was, it was a large book. I, it took seven years to write it and it took, you know, um, for, uh, close, close to 40 years to experience it. Um, so it was a large book. Um, a after I wrote that book, I, 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 I was, I felt like I needed to summarize it all and, um, Concerto of the Rising Sun, um, summarizes that whole, uh, roadmap and experience that I wrote in great detail in Song of the Immortal Beloved. And you say that the, <clears throat> excuse me, the book was an experience. Was it revelation or you, you just well, there, there, worked on it throughout the years? I mean, cause you so, have a, a whole system, a whole cosmology. Like you yeah. say, you don't base yourself on one writer, one tradition. You say there's truth in all of them and sort of you came yes. up with your own system. Yeah. Well, um, what, what I believe is that, um, that there really is only one alchemical process and we cooperate with it um, by applying, um, by becoming aware of it. And we become aware of it um, by implementing what I call the three factors. And the three factors are basically uh, the first factor we call transformation, which is where you split your mind into the observer and the observed. And the moment you do that, um, the, uh, all the constituent parts of your mind are pulled out to the periphery of your mind and you're able to observe them. You're able to, to observe your feelings, your thoughts, your instincts, um, everything that makes your mind work. And if you're able to observe it, it's because that element of the mind that you're observing is not yet fully integrated. Um, and, and the reason it's not fully integrated is because the mind arises between a collision between consciousness and matter. And, and, and it arises imperfectly. It, it arises incomplete. And the way you complete the mind is by, by um, integrating it, by becoming aware of it. And to fully integrate the mind, you have to observe, um, you have to rediscover the source from which it all emerged. Um, so you, you have to find your way back to the source and the way you do that is through your emotions, um, within the emotional faculty within us, we have a super cognitive ability to resonate with those forces and to feel them and extract knowledge from them. And by, um, individually, uh, reconnecting with all those forces, we 
end up reintegrating the mind with the source from which it all came. And when that happens, what, what emerges is what I call the monad, which is the integrated or unified mind. And the integrated unified mind is mythologically portrayed as the philosopher's stone. It's also represented in other um, traditions as Christ. Um, Ayansoth is the original monad in, in the Kabbalah. Christ is the reunified monad where we reunify creation with divinity. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, what we read in re the various religions um, are really all metaphors for um, the alchemical process that's playing out within the universe. So within, when I wrote Song of the Immortal Beloved, I tried to connect all those for everybody. I tried to show everybody that there's an alchemical process in the universe and um, it's, we're already in it. And when we're in it, um, kind of self, uh, half consciously or subconsciously, um, we're doing it over multiple lifetimes in what I call the spiral path. But when we become conscious of it and we start um, working with the three factors, um, the, the process accelerates within us. And, um, and that's called the straight path. And we can do that all in one uh, human lifetime. So I, I mentioned that the first factor is transformation, and we uh, work with the first factor by splitting the mind into the observer and the observed, um, and we start alchemically transforming um, all of the elements that we observe. And the way we observe that, and the way we transform it, is by utilizing or contrasting our awareness of the spirit. And the spirit is one of three principal. Um, dimensions or forces of the original divine monad, which is Ionsoft. And the, the three principal divine forces within Ionsoft are divine awareness, divine life, and divine love. And the spirit is the divine love. So if you can cognitively, cognitively reconnect on an emotional level to the spirit, you can then, in a state of meditation, contrast your awareness of the spirit with the thing that you're observing. And when you do, the thing that you're observing automatically transforms. And what causes the thing to actually transform is a law in the universe called the law of sympathetic resonance or the law of sympathetic vibrations. And so when you bring those two together, uh, there's essentially an atomic reaction. And um, the, new, the, um, the spirit is the agent of transformation. And, and when you bring both within the conscious mind at the same moment, um, you can transform what you're observing. So if you're observing a, um, an element of, say, uh, anger, you, you can contrast that with the spirit in the state of meditation and transform it. Uh, you can do that with everything that's within your psyche, whether if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling stressed, you're feeling anxiety, you can isolate the element, contrast it with the spirit, transform it and integrate the mind. And when you start doing that on a regular basis, um, the, the, the force of uh, associated with the law of sympathetic vibrations, which I call alpha, starts rising within you and guiding your life and, and uh, organizing your life to bring about circumstances in your life for you to discover these elements within yourself. We, we discover these elements within ourselves through 
our everyday life circumstances. So when you go to work, you're having various internal reactions to things. You can actually be contrasting those, those things you're observing within yourself in your daily life with the spirit and, and integrating your mind from day to day through your life. And when, when you do that every day, a, a pathway opens up and Alpha starts leading you through all the different levels of your mind. And it has what I believe to be a, a, a universal unfolding pattern. And in, um, in Hermeticism, Manuel P. Hall called it the three mountains. And the three mountains are basically a geometric pattern of Alpha organizing the process of unifying the mind. So you go through three major stages, which are the three three mountains, and um, and and that I, I went through that alpha led process, and what it ultimately leads you back to is the point of creation or the source from which creation emerged, and you, you literally put it all back together again. Very cool, and thanks for the explanation. I guess I would have questions, but uh, why don't we go with our guests and see if they have questions or would like to say anything to complement what Eric just said. Carl, would you like to say something? Uh, well, you know, Eric and I talk about this virtually every day. Um, <laughs> one thing uh, we do in Italian families is argue for the fun of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Eric and I uh, agree on uh, some very important principles of the alchemical path at the most fundamental level. The three factors, I think, are something you find everywhere. I've, uh, I started with uh, Western alchemy at uh, the end of 1986, and uh, Eric and I would talk about it at family gatherings, Christmas, summer vacations, and so forth. And he eventually moved to D.C. to get into the same school I was at, I think, when he turned 18. Um, and uh, we kind of went from there, realized problems with that school. I went on to develop myself more in a shamanic path, whereas Eric ran with uh, what we'd been given and then worked out the rest for himself. And when I finished the process, I, I went on to Dallas Alchemy, because there were some things in the other two models that I thought were not well explained. And so these are some of the things that Eric and I talk about all the time. So, um, for, for example, uh, the three factors that compel the process that Eric has described in some detail are required for any kind of spiritual advancement in all these classes, even though they may speak about it differently. For example, in Taoism, they talk about developing virtue. Uh, which would correspond to his uh, transformation of these egoic elements. And uh, the uh, factor where you uh, are transmuting energy to achieve higher levels, well, in, in Taoism, that's dealt with the uh, harmonization of yin-yang and development of yuan-chi and, and so on. So at, at this basic level... Uh, I think all alchemy is the same, regardless of what method you use. Differences come in maybe are on the mythological scale. Uh, what kind of mythological personages or locations you use to 
symbolize the various stages or landmarks along the way. And uh, Eric is very keen on reconciling uh, all of these to find a common vocabulary. Uh, I'm being more of a, a Taoist myself. I, I people find the path that they need, but it's a fascinating exercise to get into, and I probably good will come of it. But most certainly, some good will come of it. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't really want to uh, get into too many details and and mislead listeners and confuse them. But I think what's more important to emphasize is that these three factors. Uh, which I think we originally learned as uh, transmutation, mystical death, and um, and love is how it was originally taught to us. Eric obviously developed that through his own practice. Actually, I think it was I think it was death, rebirth, and sacrifice for humanity. A sacrifice for humanity, which was often then elaborated as simply being love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you, you need a path with those three factors. And I think if you're going to talk about alchemy, and this is the most important point I'd like to make right now, is that it's not an academic subject. You have to be really a practicing internal alchemist to talk intelligently about it. There's a lot of scholarly works about alchemy. And a lot of times as you go through this, you can kind of, tell the difference between the practitioners and the, and the academics. Not to say that one is good and one is bad, but when it comes to practical alchemy, the real-life experience of it uh, can really inform your understanding and perspective in a way that simply studying texts cannot. So, But <clears throat> I guess the question is, what do you mean by practicing alchemy? I mean, I, I remember going to the Theosophical Society years ago when I used to go, and they would be doing alchemical experiments for months, and if something went wrong, they had to start over. What you guys are talking about is more of mental exercises, right? I'm thinking of sort of, yeah, so, courses so, of Course in Miracles where you're working with your mind, sort of a therapy meditation. Yeah, I, I think it's important to um, for the audience to define what we mean by alchemy because alchemy mm -hmm. is a is a widely used term, and uh, a lot of people like to use it. And um, basically, alchemy just means transformation. And um, we're talking here about spiritual alchemy, which involves the use of um, the spirit in the alchemical process of transforming the human mind. Um, it's so, a cosmic energy that's present everywhere in nature, and you work with that inside of yourself, uh, making yourself the laboratory, rather than having some kind of external experiments that uh, are done with uh, a quote-unquote chemistry set. It's different from <laughs> external alchemy. It, it's really an organic process that you're just accelerating within yourself. It's It's not artificial or... Uh, invented in any way. Awesome, cool. Ram, do you have anything to say to speak to this? 
Sure. I, um, when Well, let me just go back uh, for a moment and say how I met Eric. Uh, I met Eric, uh, I had been friends with Graham for years. And, you know, Graham's heard me talking about my journey. And he had mentioned that, you know, there was this guy that was going to come on the show that read this book that he felt resonated with the things that I talked about. And I didn't um, approach alchemy from a hermetic um, path. Um, I actually have a, my background is in, in Tantra and in Young. Excuse me, Ryan, can you step back a bit? Here? Oh, yeah, sorry um, about that. Uh, so, yeah. Says whatever you want to call. Uh, so my my approach has been through Tantra um, and and through Jungian psychology. And to hear uh, Carl and Eric uh, talk about alchemy as transformation, uh, I would very much uh, sort of also radiate that that's sort of the essence of true tantra that that your that your body is the vessel uh is the laboratory and you're not you're not experimenting with external uh conditions and situations you're experimenting with yourself um so uh graeme and um uh, and Darren invited me to participate in uh, the podcast that they had uh, with Eric, which is how I originally met Eric. And at that point, I had read Songs of the Immortal Beloved, or I should say I had started it. It is quite an epic <laughs> journey. Um, and after the conversation with Eric, we just began corresponding more and again, to, to mirror what Eric and, and Carl was saying, um, really looking for ways looking at the similarities between the tradition and path that i had followed and the tradition and path that they had you know both individually and separately kind of pursued so really i mean i um everything that they have said with regards to alchemy uh it totally resonates with me and the tradition that i've been a part of which is what made participating in concerto so much fun because it was you know eric was kind of like the middleman but through eric i could have these conversations with carl or thorny and and my perception was opened up to oh, things that i wouldn't have thought of because he was approaching uh alchemy and transformation from a different path interesting yes thank you for the audience who has just arrived <clears throat> we are discussing the book concerto of the rising sun which is uh explaining the work in um Eric's first book, Song of the Immortal Beloved. And this book is sort of, uh, you might say, a dialogue between the guests we have tonight, trying to uh, understand the ideas, compress them, summarize them, and come with a synthesis. And as we mentioned, uh, uh, we have uh, the the hosts of Grammarica and myself are in the audiobook, and I highly advise you get the audiobook because it's uh, good stuff, a, a good listen. I've gotten into audiobooks uh, recently, and I love them. And this book is uh, well done and professionally, professionally made, and some good voices. And <laughs> despite my voice being there, but uh, no, just get and uh, well, Darren, and uh, what do you guys think? Well, I think uh, it, it, kind of like what what Ram said <clears throat> when when Eric when I was reading the book, like I could re really never wrap my head around spiritual alchemy. I my perception of alchemy was was like you guys were saying it, it was it was different. It was more physical. 
And I, I asked for Ram's sort of help. I was like, can you help me understand this? I mean, I'm having Eric on the show. And we, we went back and forth a little bit. And uh, he, Ram helped me sort of wrap my head around a little bit as well. But the important part for me is the, the authenticity part of it, that working with these factors and starting to learn how to <clears throat> transform the emotions with spirit like that. It, it would, part of the goal, I think, and what, what happens in, in, in your book too, what you say is how it brings out your authentic self. And, and then I started realizing that I had done some of this, uh, maybe factor one, or I'd done some of that through recovery for the last 10 years before. Like, I think I, I was doing some of this, uh, especially the, the first one of, you know, splitting the mind into the observer and the observed. So I felt uh, like that, resonated with me but it's hard work i mean getting from that to to the next you know the next factor for me to feel to feel that emotion bring it into that core part of my body and and transmute it is very difficult to do so it's it's a hard for me it's a hard it's a hard process something that i I have to spend more time on yeah and i i think graham's exactly right explains it very well um and what i would say to that is yeah, initially, um, there's a, an initial training period where you're trying to apply the three factors, and, um, and it takes a discipline to build it up. But once it develops momentum, you, you actually can't stop it. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, so it's uh, kind of you reach a point of critical mass where initially you're pushing it, um, but once it starts to develop its own momentum, um, then you're not pushing anymore. It's, um, it's, it's, it has its own momentum. And, um, what, what ends up happening is, you know, everybody has ego defense mechanisms in life to deal with anxiety, fear, adversity, um, whatever. And most of the ego defense mechanisms that we have are instinctive. They're, they're wired within the, the human brain. Um, through millions of years of human evolution, uh, and it's passed on to us um, through birth, and we kind of just automatically pick up those uh, that wiring and and we utilize it without even thinking about it. Um, but the the alchemist develops a different type of the, uh, ego defense mechanism, and that's transformation. That's where we literally, instead of just automatically reacting to uh, an adverse situation. Uh, without even thinking, uh, we're observing how we're reacting to it, and um, we're not allowing our true self to get suppressed by that reaction. Mm-hmm. And 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 we do that by uh, transforming the thing that's trying to block out our true self. And ultimately, we we utilize adversity um, as leverage to unify the mind by doing that by bringing forth the authentic self. And when you do that, um, you'd be surprised at how many blessings come forward in your life. Um, if, you, if you can uh, stay true and stay authentic throughout your life, um, you know, a great many blessings come forward in your life. And um, um, so, but eventually what, what ends up happening is that you will keep going to that. Um, that becomes your your method, your chosen method for dealing with adversity is transforming yourself. Um, and, and, and once you reach that point where that becomes your, autom- your chosen method for dealing with adversity, then you're really practicing alchemy. Then you're a true alchemist and you're really doing the work. 
Well, what I thought when I first started, Graham, was that it was helpful to focus on one factor at a time. So you do a uh, psychological practice and you just focus on that. And then you just do an energy practice and focus on that. And uh, just do something to express your love and, and focus on that. And as each one strengthens with each practice, you'll be combining them eventually. Usually before you know it, you'll just think, oh gosh, I did that and I wasn't even trying. So uh, starting on one, uh, like what I, what I used to do is I would go into my bedroom and I would do this breathing exercise to sublimate or transmute energy. And then I would go into a meditation to work on the, the mystical death factor. And I would, I would separate them like that. And then later on, as I got into it, I noticed I was walking down the street. I'd be focusing on an energy practice in order to help disintegrate or transform some kind of psychological element. And it, that, that kind of happened spontaneously. So uh, you might want to just like give 20 minutes for this, 20 minutes for that, and pick a few opportunities during the day to uh, consciously uh focus on 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 your love for humanity or your love for yourself by love for yourself i'm not talking about an egoic thing but something that is uh uh profoundly divine yeah i, I think carl uh brings it down to earth and explains it very practically uh i, I think it's also important to mention how do the three factors work together uh, because they're all mutually supportive uh the first factor you know we've covered a lot so far which is transformation the second factor is cultivation where we're dealing with energy as carl mentioned and and what and the reason why we work with energy in in the second factor of cultivation is that what we're trying to access the agent of transformation and the agent of transformation is the spirit and the spirit has a neutral energy it's neither yin or yang it's yuan or it, it's uh, it's neither negative or positive, and our biological organism is is on a spectrum of yin and yang, and none of us are completely neutral. We're more to yin or more yang, and it doesn't really matter uh, whether we're man, whether we're man or a woman. Um, everybody has yin and yang within them, so uh, we're somewhere within the spectrum. Um, in order to access the spirit with your conscious mind to really tune into it, you need to get past that polarity and, and you need to feel the spirit. So by working with the second factor of energy, we neutralize the energy in our body um, through various practices. And that opens up a doorway where we can access the spirit. Once we access the spirit, now we're into the third factor called love. And we use the love of the spirit in the first factor to transform the mind. Um, so that's how the three factors work together. And there's different things you can do in your life to work with all three factors. Um, you know, the third factor you, you work with by quantum meditation, meditating on, on the spirit, feeling that love, um, music, um, um, various uh, arts, um, practicing love for humanity, love for each other, love for your family, um, and, um, the, the second factor, we work with energy, martial arts, qigong, um, um, even exercising, 
anything to deal with movement, um, where we're neutralizing energies. There's various uh, sexual yoga practices that you can do where you're using other human beings to help neutralize your energy. Um, and then the first factor is all meditation and inward looking. Um, so, and what you'll find is that all the different religions and philosophical um, um, schools out there, all of them are um, working with one or two or three of the, uh, of the three factors. Rarely have I really come across any school that's working with all three consciously together. Um, so what, what the alchemical process really does is it challenges you to explore various different schools, various different approaches, and um, find the three factors spread across all of them and um, kind of create your own formula that works best for you out of all of what you've studied. Well, I think there's at least two schools that work consciously with all three factors. Uh, Healing Dow USA certainly does very overtly and in a straightforward fashion. It's easy to extract it from there. Now that's coming late into my alchemical process when I started with them. So maybe I saw it more easily, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, the instructors they have will emphasize the three factors very clearly. The second one is tracker school in, in New Jersey, but it's all hidden and couched in coyote teaching. And it's, uh, uh, if, I think if I hadn't had any previous experience with alchemy, I'm certain if I hadn't had any previous, would not have been able to uh, extract the, the gold that, that, that's hidden in that mine. But um, I, I think those two very, very consciously work with the three factors. But okay. you haven't been to either of those. So like you said, you haven't found them. So that would be a true statement. But yeah. based on my experience, I would say, yes, both of those offer those three factors. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Darren, do you have anything to say? Or are you the one talking shit in the chat room? <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's turned into a smoking thread in the chat room. Nobody's talking spirituality. <laughs> it's not for me. I just told you guys quit smoking. Okay. Um, <laughs> how do you think that ties in with? Because it seems to be sort of along the same veins as some of the old uh, Napoleon Hill writings on using uh, s slipping things from your conscious into your subconscious and then being able to manifest them or transmute them into actual things in reality. You think that's the same sort of, are you hacking into that system yeah, somehow? Yeah, I, 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 I would say uh, to a degree, and, and this goes back to a point that Eric made earlier with regards to leveraging adversity. I think a lot of people, when they're drawn to spiritual systems or alchemy in particular, what they're trying to do is eradicate adversity from their life. Uh, and while at, on some level, that is the point. <laughs> um, adversity can be our greatest motivation to continue uh, the practices and continue making effort. Often, if we don't have adversity in our life, we, we don't make an effort. And difficulty and obstacles are necessary for spiritual growth. Suffering, though, may be avoided by placing ourselves in harmony with um, the, the universal or the flow or, or however you want to refer to that. Um, in 
in alchemy, or at least the, the way I approach alchemy from my tradition, is that we do this um, by directing our attention. So when there's adversity in my life, instead of focusing on that adversity, that's when I can utilize the alchemical practices that I've um, that I've been developing. Um, so, so these practices are actually tools to direct attention. And I think, I, I feel like that is something that is often overlooked because frequently I have people ask me about, about Tantra. And the first thing that I mentioned to them is, is doing memorization work um, and, and being able to uh, arrest and direct your attention from uh, your environment. And that, at that point they say, well, I wouldn't do that, but I'm interested in the rest. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's I always find that that quite interesting is that most people just shut it down as soon as they they're like oh there's work involved and I have to I have to do something that's gonna demand like mental exercise and mental energy <laughs> is, is that is that how you're is that how you're uh your master key system, your memorizing system. Yeah, help, help. absolutely. Um, you know, a, a huge part uh, for me um, was finding um, uh, early on was finding a set of um, principles that I could dedicate myself to memorizing, and it, it, it's it doesn't necessarily have to be the same for everybody. But you know, that is something that uh, not only do I recite these you know, 250 principles every morning. But if I'm waiting at a bus stop, or if I have 15 minutes before the podcast starts, it's being able to in whatever situation I'm in, uh, stop my mind, you know, the, 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 the thoughts will come. Thoughts are like clouds, you know, passing over, over top of us. It's not until we grab a hold of that thought and direct our attention towards it that it, you know, quite literally possesses us. So if we can develop these tools to um, direct our attention, regardless of the circumstances that we're in, that is going to be one of the most powerful tools to being able to uh, quiet the, the wandering mind that is typically telling us that we can't succeed and we are failures and that nobody loves us or et cetera, et cetera. Hey, Rob, is your, is your memory uh, thing uh, based at all on Giordano Bruno or did you develop this on your own? So is that me? You directed to yeah, me? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, what I, for me, I found, um, I was directed towards a book called The Master Key System by Charles Hannell, uh, which was wow. written in 1914. And um, it was a system that he, that is largely based on Vedic and, and, uh, and Himalayan uh, philosophy. And he put together this program. It's, it's a six-month correspondence course originally. Now you can get it all in one book. But I would mm -hmm. still encourage people to do it one week at a time. And at the end of each chapter in that book, he would ask 10 questions. So what I did was I took those 10 answers and reframed them into a principle. And then I just memorized um, those principles for a total of 240. So again, it, it's, not, it's not specific what it is you're memorizing, but hopefully what you choose to memorize is something that supports your ideal state or the ideal condition that you're looking to achieve. Well, that's very interesting because the premier uh, alchemist of uh, maybe the late Middle Ages or Renaissance was uh, Giordano Bruno and the central feature of his whole system were, were these memory palaces and this memory wheel mm. uh, that 
was key, and you said this guy's name was key. Um, <laughs> Was uh, you know that was that was the that that was the, the the axis of his alchemical system. And Eric and I, when we first started learning alchemy, were taught this thing called the retrospective exercise, where you were supposed to remember every single moment in your life in reverse order, going back to your birth. Yes, you know, and and eventually. Uh, beyond that, if you wanted to get into like past lives and stuff, but you know this 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 feature of memory seems to be very prominent in a lot of alchemical schools. Yeah, absolutely. And when I read, uh, when I find, uh, you know, when I'm directed towards other uh, source books like Franz Hartman, uh, frequently I'll, I'll find these, just like you're saying, these huge parallels. And no doubt, uh, Charles Hanel, who put together the Master Key System, was also exposing himself to, you know, his, uh, uh, let's say, ancestors on the journey, you know, right. I wouldn't be surprised right. at all. Right. Interesting. But I think that gets back to what Darren was actually asking. I mean, that that you're doing that right there. You're 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 yeah. taking you're, you're taking your subconscious and you're reprogramming it through your attention into uh, into a positive conscious uh, into well, I, intention. I want to go further than just being unaffected by the clouds. I want to control weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I feel as though uh, through the memory work, I mean, the master key system is very overtly specific about uh, the, 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 the principles are all um, um, centered around the reprogramming of the subconscious, the, the, the intentional reprogramming of the subconscious through the memorization of the, of the principles that he's bringing forth. And uh, in my personal experience, having now uh, been been doing uh, the memorization work for going on eight years, I feel that it has completely uh, allowed me to um, easily discard uh, previous belief systems, which is something from a Jungian point of view that I knew was going to be a big issue come middle age uh, around that, that individuation period at 40. Um, but more than that, to going back to what you had mentioned, um, Darren, wanting to, to reprogram the subconscious and saying, okay, well, I have, uh, you know, such and such addiction, or I have such and such this, and I want to change it, but I feel like I can't change it. So, you know, it begins by, by being able to recognize why you can't change something. And then, um, having the the discipline to you know if it's doing memory work for four hours a day you know uh, whatever it is is to saying if this thought is possessing me i am going to forcibly direct my attention to something else i'm going to turn off the tv i'm going to turn off every single distraction and make sure that i have one pointed attention towards one thing and you know, I, I've been fortunate to have some really great teachers, uh, including uh, an Indian Swami who, you know, meditated in a cave for 11 months. So every time that I'm thinking about doing memory work for four hours, I picture him in a cave for 11 months and I think, oh, this is doable. <laughs> this is doable. I can do four hours of memorization work. At least Whoa. I can pace around. He was sitting on a pallet. There's, the, there's also the issue of how you identify Okay, Absolutely. So, 
uh, one thing I noticed with some of the, I, I don't know what, what, what you did, Graham, and, and I'm not sitting here to judge it. I'm just offering an observation, at least with some of the, like the NA and the AA stuff, they teach you to identify as an addict or an alcoholic. And then that actually ends up impeding the alchemical work, because if you identify yeah. as that, you're not transforming it. So really what you have to do, what, what, they, what, what those organizations do is offer you the first step. You recognize something rather than identify as it, though. Yeah. Yeah. And then after you recognize it, then you can transform it so you don't have to go through your whole life saying, I am an alcoholic. No, you're not. You're, you're God's child. And that, whatever your thing is, and we all have our own thing, whatever it is. I've got my thing. Eric's got his thing. All right. That is a result of our uh, chi manifesting here, chi energy, whatever the creative energy manifesting here as Darren, as Graham, as Thorny, as, as Carl, as uh, Miguel, whoever. And that creates something that, for lack of a better term, the gods want to experiment with. We're their experiment. Okay? So now we have these things to work with. How do we deal with that? We're doing it for ourselves, and they're doing it for themselves and for us. So you have to watch out uh, as, you, as, as you go through this alchemical process that what you identify yourself as, as yeah. opposed to what you recognize. In yeah, I think, that's, I think that's in there for the acceptance factor. I mean, I think getting people to accept that they are, they have a problem, they've ruined their life. I mean, it's, it's, I, I went through that a little bit, NACA. Uh, now I'm in sort of more of a Buddhist style recovery program called Dharma mm -hmm. recovery, but I, I didn't take that too heavy. I, I, I realized I had, I had a problem and, and I would, I'm an alcoholic addict, whatever, but I, I can say that without letting it, uh, impede my progress. I, mean, I don't hold that much attachment to that identity. Okay. At all. Okay. Okay. That's but I know, I know what you mean. That's a pretty big hindrance for a lot of people right now. Yeah. Uh, Here's an interesting side note. For yeah, yeah, maybe, but I, I haven't, I mean, I haven't said that. Yeah. I don't, I don't do it. It's not like a daily thing I say or anything like that. <laughs> Here's a side note for uh, Darren, that if you go to tracker school, they will teach you to control the weather. <laughs> there you I go. Yeah. The weather, so. <laughs> I'm an Indian. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, can uh, we better see if the audience has anything, including? Let's see, does the Grimerica show have any questions over there? No, just talking shit. Uh, Vance, any questions beyond smoking from the audience? No, I, all I see is uh, it's all up in smoke, Miguel. Don't feel bad because uh, Miguel, because uh, what the audience can't see is that I'm here dipping skull. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> remember that mouth cancer, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> hey Rem, what's the book on your uh, profile? It's um, so the book uh, I I released that book um, last year, late last year, um, probably about a month after Concerto was released. Um, it's a it's a short sort of fictional allegory about the um, the process that the process of of I, I guess alchemy. I mean I. I <laughs> It, it it was the 
it was an important part of uh, capturing uh, a transition that I made. Um, you know, earlier Eric talked about momentum and, and that we reach certain points where we realize things are, are changing beyond our conscious uh, control. And that's very exciting. And, and when that happens, it usually pushes me in a very creative way to, to uh, usually create some sort of allegory for the transition that I'm not sure that I could describe in words otherwise. <laughs> so... Awesome, awesome. And sorry, Vance, do you have a question? Did the audience have a question as far um, I don't as you can see, any... see through the smoke? <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't I haven't seen any. I've been watching well it's a lot of heavy stuff, you know. People are talking about um alchemical spiritual practices and the uh, the one, the source, all that stuff. You know, how how do you ask questions about that, I guess? But my own reflections are um maybe of some some use or interest. Well, yeah, here's Time for a commercial for the porcelain gods. This is my practice. <laughs> All right. The, the, the porcelain gods. Yeah, it's been a while. But they're, hey, they're, the beauty of the porcelain gods. Talk about practice. What? are the problems that people have with all these practices. They take a lot of effort. They take a discipline and so forth. But what's the one thing everybody does every day? Right? They take go worship shot. the yeah, they go worship the porcelain gods. Well, that's a sacrifice. And I'm, I'm not just screwing around with this. Um, literally, I noticed about 15 years ago that when I had a problem as, uh, at work, stuck problem I couldn't figure out, I'd just take a break. I'd walk over to the men's room, which is down the hall, and all of a sudden, like, bing, you know, the, the answers would just pop into my head. And since that time, I've actually made use of that because it's, you, you get into a different state of mind, which is all about what this is about, right? It's about getting out of your rut, getting out of the mental structures we all build and get trapped in and opening up to those, to that invisible, you know, source of information, help, the comforter, whatever system it's called. And hey, you know what? The porcelain gods are just as good as symbols as anything else for that matter. So um, I think this all, you know, it's kind of like if, as if you went down that toilet, if you went far enough, you'd get to the source, right? <laughs> it's or, better than, uh, yeah, I used to masturbate at my desk. So <laughs> a little bit better than that. But nobody well, can see it under then. the desk. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I'll tell you what, when, when I was out on the big res, uh, one of the native health practitioners out there uh we were doing we have this conference and um you know he was uh stood up he was uh richard showalter i think his name was uh navajo and he said you know he says it's uh, all these government people in from washington and we're sitting around he says you know instead of saying good morning or how you doing to each other what we should say to each other every day is did you have a good shit today because the number one killer among Navajo is colon cancer. So really, oh, yeah. the greeting should be, did you have a good shit today? And that was a big thing that was, you know, very important to him. So, yeah. Here's the AM Biden merch, uh, for those of you who have to keep showing it. Yeah. Nipple. Well, you know, what, while we're on this, uh, on this topic, there is actually a couple of things that I would add. Uh, one of them is that if you... Um, 
if you elevate your feet by about a foot when you're sitting on your porcelain god, it opens your bowels. And I'm amazed how many people don't know that, um, but you will actually uh, have movements um, that are less struggle involved. Um, and the second point I would add is it's a great place to read spiritual books. Um, yep. Because if you sit there and you're reading, you will not feel like, oh, I've got to shit as quickly as possible so I can get on to do what I need to do. If you tell yourself, I'm going to read at least two pages, then your, your body, it, it slows down and hence your bowels move, especially with the feet elevated, those two things together. It's actually a great point, Vance. I'm glad that you brought that up because it, yeah. it, it's something that people really don't think about, but it's incredible um, how much carrying around a bunch of shit really is carrying around a bunch of shit. And, and if you, I, you know, I really admire the authenticity of this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't we are, are you sponsored by Squatty Potty now or something? Right. I mean, if you, uh, if you use the squatter instead of the throne, I mean, you barely even have to wipe yourself. It no, it, it, it's so true. I mean, from an evolutionary <laughs> yeah. point of view, we, we still shit better if we squat. So by elevating your feet by about a foot, just put a block under your feet and you'll be in that natural squat position. And it, it really does work. So I got a question, Miguel, if, if you want to switch gears a little bit to the shadow, uh, shadow man and uh, nighttime attacks, which is a part of the book, actually. Concerto, I mean, Ram talks about it a little bit uh, in the book, but something happened to me recently that I'd like their ad opinion or advice on, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's a little, I'll try to skip through it fairly quick, but my, my girlfriend was having um, a shadow person, demonic incubus attacks. I think Eric, I might've asked you about it in our show as well. So I don't know where, where we are, where we're at back then, but um, we tried many different things over the decades. Like this has been happening to her for decades, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes she can't sleep. She gets these attacks in the middle of the night. Um, you know, maybe sleep paralysis is some of it or a part of it or all of it, who knows, but this is definitely, she calls him the bad man, right? So mm -hmm. when you're talking about shadows and, and darkness uh, energies and stuff like that. So I, I created this, uh, I was sort of learning some protection magic and stuff like that. And I created this, this sigil and this mantra and this meditation for her protection. And I won't go into the details of it right now, but she called me once when she was, uh, she lives uh, out of town a lot. And she called me once after being woken up from this, this nightmare. And I told her I was going to do something and she went back to sleep and it completely uh, vanished. So I did this, this ritual type thing and it, and it actually stopped it in its tracks for the first time ever, like ever, ne yeah. never, she's never been able to, she's always been paralyzed with fear and not been able to do anything. Two yeah. weeks, later, two weeks later, I did it again. And the thing, tried again and it's laughed it, it started laughing and walked away like it could not yeah. deal with it and she lost her fear around it so yeah. something something that i was doing with this i had this whole like family protective uh mantra and the symbol that i that i made learned to make and i and i put it everywhere and so for me there was something really happening here i was i was actually helping her and protecting her so i was talking to the other and it hasn't happened since then nothing yeah. nothing has, has bothered her since then Two days ago, I was, I was on a show with, with Darren and, and Mike and the OBDM guys a couple days ago, and I was just sharing this, this thing because he was having some encounters before they moved to Ohio. So 
for the first time, and of course it questioned my mind because I've been reading these old esoteric books and about the magician, not that, that I, I am one or anything like that, but that they try, they're supposed to keep these things secret, right? But I thought, you know, this is good. I want to help people. So I, I, I sent him a picture of it. I, I wrote out, uh, or I told him exactly what the process was, all the details, all the stuff, and I, I explained to him the whole, the whole thing. This morning, I got a text from my girlfriend. She's uh, out of town again. She couldn't sleep last night. She was getting, she was getting awoken uh, over and over by this, this cyclical nightmare. And I'm thinking, don't tell me it's this thing. So I, I'm asking, like, what, what happened? And she goes, yes, unbelievably, it's the bad man was back. Mm-hmm. So the, the day after I give away the details to this, he shows up again. Is there any like? Can you? Is there anything? Yeah, you I, 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 I would. I, yeah, I would love to address that. Um, so, your girlfriend is most likely what I would call a, a hypersensitive. Um, so she is very in tune to um, things beyond, say, the physical reality. Um, she can sense them. And, um, but with, you know, what many people associate with poltergeist activity, and it is truly poltergeist activity, but people don't really understand, um, what's really causing it. And, um, um, there's two spheres of the mind. Um, there's the, uh, noetic sphere and there's the erotic sphere. And, um, in the erotic sphere, um, the, the two, uh, through the alchemical process, we need to integrate both of them to, to form the monad. And the noetic sphere is the sphere of light, and the erotic sphere is the sphere of darkness. And when I say darkness, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's, it's unintegrated. And there's forces within the erotic sphere, within the, the sphere of darkness, uh, such as the edimus and the gorgon, um, that we need to integrate within the alchemical process to form the monad. And these forces are actually reaching out to us. They, they, um, the, the, the animus wants the integration. The, the Gorgon needs to be integrated, but it's actually um, trying to prevent it. It's actually resisting it. Um, and these are forces that are deep within the subconscious mind. And um, they, they, they're interacting with us, whether we realize it or not. And your girlfriend is picking up on it. And um, the, the, the Gorgon aspect, the, the Intimus and the Gorgon, they both, they both form the id complex within us. And the, um, the, the Gorgon side of the id has a psychokinetic reaction with your physical environment. So w- what a lot of people experience as poltergeist activity, believe it or not, is actually coming from them. It's not coming from an outside entity. They're actually the one causing the um, poltergeist activity, or someone in the house is causing it. Now, I'm not saying that it's it, it's not possible that there could be an outside entity. In some cases, there probably is, but I would say in most cases, in most poltergeist um, situations, um, it's actually someone in the house who's causing it, um, and it's 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 a psychokinetic um, um, effect from within uh, the erotic sphere of the human mind. And your girlfriend is sensitive. She's hypersensitive and she's picking up these forces um, that uh, need to be integrated within her. Um, And alchemy ultimately would resolve that for her because she'd be able to literally um, 
consciously and willingly communicate with those forces and integrate them. Um, that's what needs to ultimately happen um, is, is we don't exercise them like in an exorcism. We actually integrate Transform them. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we actually integrate them. That's, that's how you transcend that whole situation. So what about the coincidence of, I mean, the, did, did I, if I was to speculate that this wasn't a coincidence, that the day after I give away these details, did I shift some energy? Did, I, did, did something happen metaphysically to open things back up? I mean, or, or is well, it I, I, I think the more attention you pay to it, the more psychokinetically active it becomes um, because you're actually giving it energy. You're, um, you're, you're communicating with it. So you're actually strengthening the connection with it and you're giving it more passage into the world around you um, by, by actually doing what you're doing. Um, ultimately, I would rest your girlfriend assured that, um, that it's not an outside entity that's trying to possess her. Uh, it's literally a, an unintegrated aspect of her own being um, that uh, she's that her conscious mind is interacting with, and she needs to integrate it. Um, it, it, it that's most of the time. That's what it is. Yeah. So does that mean like uh, are, we got to be careful she, with our attention on in general? She well, she she confronted just to get back. She did confront it, and it was gone once. What she confronted it, so it it was. Uh, she wasn't as scared, like she's yeah. no fear of it. So there's another way to look at that, and uh, I'm not saying Eric is wrong, but there's something you might want to try first because to slay the Gorgon can take thirty years. Uh, or to in, uh, let's say integrate the Gorgon can take thirty years, and your girlfriend might not want to get into it if that's the case. So there's a, an experiment you can do, and alchemy is all about experiments. It's, it's alchemy. And there you have it, my beloved true seekers. The first part of our roundtable on spiritual alchemy and ancient mysteries. The spiritual voltage stays just as high in the second part especially in one section where the guests grant direct and easy-to-follow advice on how to deal with fear, anxiety, and depression in these Gnostic times, and certainly helpful in finding your authentic self. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. So please become a member of Patreon and support this Red Pill Cafeteria. Go to thegodabovegod.com for means to assist and get the infernal rewards, which includes the Finding Hermes program. Or just contact me. I can't do it without you, and I hope you find value in everything I put out. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to counteract the galactic nutsack Yaldi Baldi has placed on the collective consciousness of humanity. We're gonna do so many wonders together. I just know it. I just know it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself. Your true self here in the desert of the real.
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.